Because I'm a real believer that true leaders, they don't make any decisions at all. They get their people to make them with them, with them. And you can only do that by having dialogue. And the only way you can have dialogue is to ask good open-ended questions and listen and be seen to be absorbing perspectives, opinions different from yours. Thank you for joining us on Merit Matters, a virtual series highlighting current events, industry experts, and local community engagement. I am your host, Tammy Berklid, Principal of Merit Construction. And today I will be discussing leadership in business with special guest, Gary Polane, founder and principal of Osmosis Leadership. Gary is an expert at developing strategies that get management teams working collaboratively and effectively to create long-term measurable change. From what I understand, we're one of the teachers at uh, the classes that we sent our superintendents to. Um, I want you to know that they were both very impressed with you and very, um, like it, it was kind of changing for them. It was transformational. It really got them thinking about things and who they were and what they wanted to, to do, like to be part of Merit in particular. And so I wanted you to share with us a little bit about what what made you go into that, into the training side? And then like, how does that feel for you um, hearing that? Yeah, well, actually the training side is somewhat of a legacy right now. I, most of my business is facilitating strategic planning with executive teams of companies. But that's, I got into the human engineering business by doing training and learning how to speak in public, that type of thing. And I've had some wonderful mentors along my way, like you have, in showing me the way what's possible. <clears throat> so the training thing is a sort of a lag behind thing nowadays because I'm, you know, I've just started the second half of my life. I'm turning 70 this year. <laughs> so I'm just, I love I've got, it. i got a long way to go. You do. But but I enjoy it. I You know, I, I enjoy, particularly with young engineers, general con uh, contractors. Uh, I do a lot of work with mechanicals too. Mm -hmm. And... Um, it's, it's enjoyable to pass along uh, some of the skills and attitudes and personal development tricks that I've learned over the years. So um, I hang in there, AGC and MCA, which is the Mechanical Contractors Association of Western Washington. Mm -hmm. I still do training just for those two organisations because <clears throat> they've got a lot of young people coming in and, and, and getting them better ready for their futures is, is really what I'm all about. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. And that's something I say a lot, you know, that we're in the business of growing people. Mm -hmm. So um, if you're in leadership of any sort, you're looking for people who um, seem receptive and seem uh, excited about what you have to offer. And I, like I said to you earlier, I just want you to know that you impacted them so that the way you're coming across there's something that sets a little fire in people and and says I need to invest in myself as well I need to I need to learn new things and I need to you know work on self-development and I love that yeah that is definitely the message I do try to get across the importance of personal development because that's where it starts being more self-aware of who you are um, how you come across and you've probably heard the term emotional intelligence. Mm. Um, 
there's a lot of learning and, and self-awareness there about that sort of thing. And yeah, if you if you're gonna if you're going to be a leader, which is what you're basically um, talking about today, you I've never met a natural leader. Never met one. <clears throat> Maybe one. Uh, man, one got close. In my early years of engineering, a guy called Martin Thomas was in my life in the very first job I had, and there was something unique about him. He was an mm. Englishman, and uh, I didn't know at the time <laughs> what a manager or leader was or anything, you know. Sure. But there was something special about him because when I look back, he was number one approachable. Somehow he tended to listen more than speak. And there was also, there was always this thoughtful wisdom coming from him. So when I look back at Martin Thomas, I'm thinking, mm -hmm. okay, how did he get that that awareness about himself? It was it a learned skill, a natural skill? And so that's always intrigued me because um, I'm, I'm, I, I suppose he's probably passed away by now, but I would have mm -hmm. liked to have gone back and had a chat with him about that. <clears throat> you know, um, yeah, I, I've done that. I've made sure to reach back out to people that have impacted my life. And, I, and you know, the, the man that I worked for prior to uh, working with Len Zarelli um, was Roger Collins from Mer or, excuse me, Sierra Construction. And he was the first one that got me interested in all of it. And the day that I uh, made partner, I wrote him a letter, you know, and I told him that he, everything he did for me prepared me for this place in my life. And um, he answered me right away. And I just like, it just touched my heart to, to know yeah. that I had been able to thank him and let him know that, you know, that he, he made me better. Um, he also was the one who always told me that he wanted it to be a, he wanted to be an employer of choice. And that meant that you know, he he wanted when you left, he wanted for the rest of your life to remember Sierra as the best place you ever worked, and so, and that was in the '90s, which wow. was very ahead of his time. And so I I always think about that, and I've always now I want that for people. I want like if you must leave, you go ahead, but I want you to look back and remember that this was the best place. You're right. Oh, good on you. <laughs> yeah. So what do you think about, um, you know, I'm sure you come across a lot of men being in the field that you're in. And I, I think sometimes that they can struggle a little bit to deal with things like emotional intelligence um, and they don't realize how much it impacts their career, especially if they're working with a woman, I think. Um, so how, how do you go about that? What, what, have, what does that look like to you and kind of what are some of the, the nuggets that you share with them? Yeah, it's a really good question, Tommy, because over the years, because I've, I've got about 27 clients I work with right now, um, mainly on the strategic planning side, and I've come across some real doozies, let me tell you. <laughs> I mean, whether you call them high Ds on the disc profile or A-types or just very, very directive autocratic type leaders, you know. No, no, I wouldn't call them a leader. They're just very autocratic managers. Right. <clears throat> Big difference between leadership and management. And, you know, it takes time for them to see and understand the difference between management being, I mean, I've got a, a client up in Makatia, I won't say who it is, but probably the best operational manufacturing business I've ever seen. Mm. He was a tyrant. I mean, he runs everything so efficiently, everything's measured, 
and he's really hard on people who don't meet their metrics. But he had people leaving all over the place because he was very tough on them. So it took me three years for him to understand that that what his role should be, you know, mm. what his role should be. I mean, get someone to run operations, but you're the guy that, you know, you're, you're the orchestrator of your culture. And if you're going right. to be a, a best place to work, say in Washington or whatever, you, you, you've got to get people excited about Monday mornings instead of looking forward to Friday afternoons because yeah. you're causing that. Yeah. And so one day it just clicked with him that I've got to work on myself, on my emotional intelligence. It, mm -hmm. it, it, for some people, and now he's an extreme, but he got it eventually, and and now he gets best place to work awards all the time. <laughs> you know, he got he That's got, he got great. a HR manager. Uh, he gets continual coaching and counselling on how he comes across and behaves. You know, listen more, ask better questions. Don't be so reactive. Respond with patience. There's a whole bunch of behaviours that we have to learn to come across differently. And so, and he still struggles with it. I mean, he's still got to go into the unconsciously incompetent part of his space <laughs> to manage it, right? Because he'll never, ever be unconsciously competent. He hasn't got yeah. a chance. It's just it's just not his way. So <clears throat> it's, it's, uh, it's a process under construction for him, but he's made the move. So it takes a bit of time, a little bit of frank feedback, read mm -hmm. the books, uh, look at yourself, get some feedback from others. I mean, what really kicked him in the butt was the 360 feedback from his um, from his executive team. Yeah, it that takes bravery, though. That takes such bravery to ask those questions. And oh, yeah. it's scary. As a leader, it's scary. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with doing it, but um, even with the people I trust and the people that I love that I work really close with, I'm afraid to hear the answers, you know, and I get sensitive about it. Right. But I always say they were brave enough to say it. So you better be brave enough to face it. And then what are you going to do about it? Exactly. And, you know, putting some incremental steps in place on behaviors that you need to shift. You know, one of the biggest things, and we we'll might talk about this more later on, depending on other questions you ask, but the the most important skill I think a leader has is to be genuinely curious. If they just do that, instead of being the person always making the decisions, because I'm a real believer that true leaders, they don't make any decisions at all. They get their people to make them with them, with them. Sure. And you can only do that by having dialogue. And the only way you can have dialogue is to ask good open-ended questions and listen and be seen to be absorbing perspectives, opinions different from yours. You can do that. That's a biggie. Yeah. And that's so huge. And I don't think it's just like that's absolutely not a, just from the top. It, it needs to start there. Oh. But it needs to be at every level within your company. Absolutely. Because it, if you have the, the head of the company <laughs> behaving in that way, but then you get the superintendent who doesn't want to hear what the foreman has to say, or the foreman who thinks that the carpenter needs <laughs> to only do it his way, then you you haven't gained really very much, you know. Yeah. Um, so that's what I loved about your approach is you you say it in a way that makes people understand this is for an every man. 
this or every woman, you know, but this is for every man. It's not just for um, supervisors. It's for every person in a company that um, wants to be liked, wants to be respected, mm -hmm. wants to be someone who uh, is a chosen coworker. Yeah. You know, it's it, the days of being allowed to just yell and scream and demonstrate, you know, smashing your fist and stuff. Those days are not here anymore. No, and, and, and I'm grateful for that because I, I think it's good that there's no desperate times anymore that somebody has to put up with that, things like that. You know, there's a quality of life to, to being treated well at the place that you spend so yeah. much of your time. Yeah. Right. Um, how many people do you think you come into contact with in a year with just your training now? How many people are you able to have influence over? And is it just in the state of Washington? No, I've, I've been traveling the country for quite a few years. I started my business in 96. So I've been doing this for a while now, but I was doing it beforehand too. I, I actually was moved from Sydney to Seattle back in 91 to take a, a global role with a global company. And so even back then I was teaching this stuff. <clears throat> but as I said, as, as I, when I started my own business in 96, I wanted to really focus on helping organizations be the companies they need to be and working with management teams, executive groups and getting them as a team, because that's the hardest part of my work is getting an executive group or management team to operate as a team, yeah. let alone get on the same page together and have a common sense of purpose, direction, life and so on. That's by far the hardest part of all. Um, but I'd probably come across nowadays, it used to be a lot more. I've trained thousands and thousands and thousands of people around the world. But today I probably do maybe two fifty, three hundred a year now. Hmm. And is it mainly in Washington still? Kansas, Washington and California. Okay. I just want to know where, where our competition is because <laughs> Seriously, it's the people that are investing in their people that are my real competition. Yeah, right, so right. I'll stay out of Kansas. I'll stay out of California. Well, the only general contractor I work with nowadays is up in uh, Bellingham, a company called Dawson. Okay. I've done work with Salon. I've done work with um, Lee Crutcher Lewis. This is these are years ago, but um, the only GC I work with now is Dawson. And Mary. Now, and Mary, there you go. There you go. I love it, Tommy. So, I love the term you used it earlier, human engineering. And I want you to tell me a little bit more about that. And I know you started as a mechanical engineer, and so you help mechanical engineers and general contractors. But just explain a little bit more um, in layman terms what you mean when you say human engineering. Yeah. No. It's a little bit like a play on words because of my mechanical engineering background. I, I sort of use it as a bit of a fun transition thing, being a human engineer. But it, it, bottom line is what I try to come across in that term is the importance of personal development, continuous learning, working with people. And the only way, you know, the best thing we can do is earn respect with, for each other, right? How do you earn respect with each other? by learning to be more curious, asking good questions. I mean, and you probably, I don't know if you noticed this consciously, but the biggest mistake most managers, leaders make is they talk too much and they just don't listen enough. But 
you cannot be a good listener unless you learn how to ask the four question types. There is there is no other way. There's only four question types in English language, and if you can learn those and and use them in an open-ended way, you'll have people just swarming to you because you're pulling them because you're someone who's generally interested and curious about them, and you're listening to what they're saying. There is no other way. Yeah. There is no I other think, way. I think people want to, to feel known and valued, and, and it's so important. Like I said earlier, we spend so much of our time at work. You, you want to work with people that care about you and are yes. interested, like you said. So tell me, what are the four question types? Well, there's background questions, like, for example, so what do you think of the game on the weekend? You know, it's just, just a general uh, getting the conversation going type question. So what do you think of the movie last night? Whatever, that's a background question. The second type of question is problem question. And this is where the real conversation starts. So what's the biggest challenge you have with your business right now? Or what's the biggest hindrance right now in getting the, the successful result you're having on that job? So it's a problem question. It's looking at, and by the way, you never use the word problem. Right. Challenge, <laughs> difficulty, glitch. Opportunity. Yeah, because, yeah. you know, if people, so our parents told us, don't tell people your problems. Yeah. So the word problem has a real, so you've got to learn in your questioning technique to ask problem questions without using the word problem. Yeah, it has a negative connotation. It has. And people don't want to, they don't want to break down that. Yeah. The third type of question is probably the most important one, which, again, most people don't know how to ask, are consequence questions. Mm. Oh, so really? So you're having an issue with labor management. So what's going on as a result? That's the mm -hmm. consequence. What's the impact of that? So what, what, what uh, ramifications is that having to your bottom line? Okay. So consequence questions are really, really important questions to ask because what most people do is they'll get the problem and they'll fix it. But the last thing you want to do as a leader is fix problems. The, f the best thing you want to do is get the person to figure out for themselves. So the fourth type of question is the value question. So if, Tammy, there was a way to address this labour management issue, what might that look like? I want you to fix it, not me. Right. So background is just general start question. How was your day yesterday? Da, da, da. So what's it? Because you know, I'm a. You know what Vistage is? Mm. This, it's a worldwide CEO peer group. I, I was a Vistage chair. Okay. For Twenty years. I just just go just handed off actually to a, a colleague. But for twenty years, I had seventeen CEOs in my uh, in my group, and we would meet every month. And, and have conversations about different issues going on in their businesses. It's, it's been around for a long time, 60 years nearly. Anyway, what I learned from that is that the more you can be curious and get them to figure it out for themselves and get them to learn that they, CEOs don't have to have all the answers. The mm -hmm. great leaders and CEOs of companies nowadays get people to figure it out for themselves. And so if you can learn those question types, and learn how they work together and, and allow yeah. people to be fully heard, mm -hmm. which is what your management team wants to be, yeah. or any, any person, your husband, wife, whatever. Exactly. People want to be fully heard without jumping in with solutions too early because giving advice without permission is abuse. Mm. And we've all felt it. Yeah giving suggestions without permission is abusive. 
And yeah, we all feel you kind of have to invest a little bit in someone before you have the permission to speak truth to them. Even if it's yeah. truth in love, it's still you you still have to invest in, in in order to have the the right per se. Right. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And I I think um it's something that you even think about, you know, with your children or, you know, people, other people that you love is like, did they ask you for that advice? Yeah. Do you have the permission to speak that? Yeah. Um, but you can get the permission if you're, if you're careful about the questions you ask. Yes. So that's a really good tip, I think, for everybody, but it's a good for me because, um, you know, you just forget those things sometimes. Sometimes, especially if you're in a position of, um speaking into someone's life on a regular basis yes you'll just you know start talking before they ask for your input yeah the other point to that tammy though is most people don't know about this mm -hmm. they just show up and start talking yeah and this is where the learned skill of leadership is so important because i mean anybody can be a manager <clears throat> you know you know, management is what you do. Leadership is who you are, mm -hmm. and 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 uh, and who you become. That's what leadership is. Yeah. And most people just have never been shown the way and what leadership looks like behaviorally. Right. So there's skills, there's competencies, there's behaviors that we have to learn. We have to learn this stuff through mm -hmm. personal development to show up at that level. Because how you show up is what it's all about. Yeah, absolutely. You mentioned a couple times, you know, the books, you have to read the books. So yeah. what maybe are your top two or three books that you say, if you care about development, personal yeah. development, mm -hmm. what should you be reading? Well, the number one Bible for me is a book called The Leadership Challenge by Coos and Posner. The Leadership Challenge. Okay. I use it for everything. Um, and bottom line is there's there's five core competencies that the book covers very, very well. I wish I'd written it because of all the learnings I've done over the years of studying and working with CEOs and business owners over the years. It, it's, it sums it up beautifully. I mean, there's all the books by Peter Drucker you can read forever and ever. But I think mm -hmm. what Coos and Posner have done is summarize this book into the leadership challenge. It's, it's just gorgeous. The number one thing is, how does the leader inspire vision? So yeah. the whole issue of inculcating, articulating and inculcating a strategic position of your company is number one. It's the number one gig that a leader has to do. What's, who are you? What do you stand for? Where are you going? How are you going to get there? All those sorts of things are critically important. So that's, And that's the sort of work I do with all of my clients, that sort of stuff. The second thing is how does the leadership leader model the way? In other words, are you walking the talk? Are you doing what you're preaching? Yeah. So they got a whole chapter on things you can do to model the way and live the message and walk the talk as far as what you profess that you are, particularly around your core values of your company, mm -hmm. particularly around your core values. Because um, most companies have them, but most leaders don't live up to them or don't do enough to reinforce them or connect the dots on them. <clears throat> You know, reward, recognize, whatever. Yeah. That's the second one. The third one is challenging the process. Always in a respectful, caring way, challenge how things are done around your organization. Challenging the process. So you've got inspiring the vision, modeling the way, challenging the, uh, the, the process, 
The fourth one is enabling others to act. How do you get other people to be disciples? How do you get other people to feverishly, rigorously, enthusiastically take on board some of these things that as a company you'd like to see done as a leader? Enabling others to act. And the last one is encouraging the heart. Mm. What things are you doing to make people feel really good about work? And, you know, eventually, hopefully, they become disciples of, thank God it's Monday. I'm back working yeah. at me again. Yeah. So those, I, I think it's a great book. So there's that one for sure. Um, good to Great was good. You know that book from Good to Great? That's, yep. That was a pretty good resource. Um, what's another one that um, <clears throat> all the, uh, what's it called? Um, the Four Obsessions of an Extraordinary. Have you yes. Said that yeah, that's that's Leader, pretty yeah. Yeah, yeah, that is a great one. We actually read a couple together as a team, ah. which is a pretty interesting situation. We, um, it was an, it was another book by that same person, but it was a different book. Um, and Five Functions of a Team. Yes, that's what Patrick we read Lencioni. together. Yeah, Patrick Lencioni. Yes. Oh my gosh, that was so interesting to bring that to the table. Oh, yeah. Of course, you're seeing people that are like, oh, he's that guy. He's the guy that takes notes, you know, he's on his computer doing something else the whole time we're having a meeting or, you know, somebody that had a difficult personality, you know, it was so interesting and it was a really, I thought it was a really cool thing. I bought, you know, everybody the books and I, I asked them, it was okay if you read it during work time, it doesn't matter to me. The important thing is that you read it okay. and then like shared conversation together about the book. Um, so I, I think that's a cool team concept thing to do to sort of get people thinking and get people seeing. And at the end of it, it had this like quiz of some sort where you got to rate your company. And so we did that and then promised to revisit it within a year and see if we hadn't done better. Yeah, I, 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 I'm, I use it mandatorily with every client I have. And you have to measure the executive team every year when we get together for a strategy. Yep. We do we do the teaming assessment yeah. every year because yeah. we want to see this as a team because the hard, it's the hardest thing of all to do is to get your group to work as a team. It's really really hard. Yeah. So we want to see progress, even if it's just a decimal point. We want it versus this, you know. But the, the the other book that I'll share with you, and I don't know if it's still in print. I have no idea, but it's the one book that really got me into this human engineering thing. Uh -huh. particularly around strategy there was a book called creating excellence by hickman and silver creating okay. excellence by hickman and silver i've, I've still got it on my shelf over there it's it's old and got i got <laughs> lots of marks on it and, oh my god yeah but, i love it really, it really helped me understand the importance of strategy working with culture and if you can put those two together from a strategic leadership perspective, you've really got something special. So having a good plan, having a good market position, market differentiation clearly articulated, and you really care about your people in a very meaningful, purposeful way, mm -hmm. and you show up as a leader, you've got three magic parts there that really get things going. But then the, the leadership challenge by Kuzan Posner came out, which summarized it so well. So if you haven't got that book, Tammy, go get it. I will, absolutely. Yeah. I'm so I'm so grateful that that you would spend this time with me today and give just a little glimpse of 
you know, kind of like, like we were talking about earlier, the nuggets, the really important pieces and give our listeners an opportunity to read those books that changed your life, that helped actual transformation happen for you. And another word that you said that I love hearing from you is um, disciple. And you're, that means you need to be duplicating what, what you're doing. That means you need to bring that back around and you need to um, reinvest in someone else. You need to share your life with someone else and you need to um, duplicate what someone has done for you and help them grow in the same ways. Um, I think that that's such an important thing. And it has been for me, it sounds like it has been for you, you know, that you, you committed to reinvesting what someone did for you and helped you sort of see the light. And then you, you, you do that for them as well. Um, I want to be respectful of your time and we're, we're over already, but, but I want, I want to ask you um, to, just in closing, if you wanted to share um, one or two things with people that you feel are, um, and I'd love it if you take it down to like a foreman level or a superintendent level, ways that they can invest in the people around them and show true leadership. Yeah, that's a good question. I, <clears throat> I, I'll go back to the other things I've already talked about is if it doesn't matter who you are at what level or even if you're just a solo worker technician. <laughs> Uh, just to be a good teammate of a team or group, you know, just be genuinely curious about others. Yeah. Th that shows respect. And bottom line, I think, of life is being respectful of each other. Yeah. But how do you do that? Well, I think you need to show genuine curiosity about others and their lives and what's going on in their lives and, and fully hearing, fully hearing them out. Um, but the other part of that is, and this is probably more for you than anything as a leader of your company, is uh, it's like whenever I do strategy, I always insist with these CEOs, make sure you've got a vertical representation. Not just have your, you know, your VPs there. I want to see a superintendent there. I want to see a foreman there. I want to have the accounting person there. So we've got people in the room who are at the grassroots as well as the top, because sometimes we lose it at the top a little bit. We're not really in touch with what's really going on. So, and asking the questions right up front about what's really going on here? What are mm -hmm. the four key force drivers? What's the root causes? Root cause, root cause, root cause. And having those open, frank conversations and not being afraid to what I might, of what you might hear. Yeah. So there's a, it's a combination of deep involvement, being genuinely curious, um, being respectful. Yeah. I, I agree. I agree. I think it's great. Yeah. I mean, it, it seems so simple, yeah. but honestly, the, the, the core of what you said is being genuinely curious. I can promise you that's not happening enough in, in, um, you know, the field. And, exactly. um, so I'm, I'm so excited about that. And I look forward to you being able to maybe come and share something with our team um, and, and we could maybe do it out at a, at a job site or whatever. So we're really hitting everybody. We're, we're letting the carpenters have their say, having their feedback, um, all the way to the apprentices. It's such an important thing that everybody feels known and that everybody feels, you know, cared for. So thank you for all of your tips. Thank you for your time. 
No Thank problem. you for investing, you know, your time and your talent and your treasure in human beings. I really appreciate that. We're all better for you. We appreciate you being out there. So thank, thank you. And thank we'll you. talk to you soon. It was a pleasure meeting you. Thank you, Gary. Cheers.